Hi all, I welcome you to the Building Culture podcast where I invite incredibly smart people who build things whether they be engineers, entrepreneurs, programmers, hobbyists or researchers it does not matter as long as you're someone who's passionate about building things I'll find you and podcast you. Hi all I want to take a brief moment to thank you all personally for supporting this podcast on YouTube and on all major podcast platforms including Google Podcasts and Spotify the podcast mainly features interesting people in robotics artificial intelligence and entrepreneurship if you believe that the information that I'm providing might be of benefit to you or to someone you know it would be really great if you could hit the subscribe button and press the notification icon so that you can get notified on time whenever the next part is out it would literally take you a second or two to subscribe to the podcast but it would really mean a lot to me because i can grow the podcast to a level that where i can reach more people invite ever more interesting guests and have a more meaningful impact so let's begin now Uh, today's episode i have the pleasure of having with us the robotics software engineer at none other than boston dynamics he has been associated with working on a stretch robot at boston dynamics where he was involved in design implementation and testing of behaviors for autonomous robots he has also been part of the robust robotics group at mit where he worked on a system integration software architecture and robot experimentation he has experience with multidisciplinary areas in robotics ranging from computer vision machine learning control human robot interaction and so on a part of his journey also features him as an educator and he has been associated with mathworks for creating a lot of quality content in modeling simulation and robotics for quite some time that's an interesting journey that uh, sebastian was on to with mathworks where he was also involved in uh, robotics competitions as part of creating these educational uh, videos and content so there's a lot of interesting stuff that he has also done which i'll not go into details of i'll just link his linkedin account in the description so without any further ado let's welcome sebastian castro thank you for having me on this podcast uh hopefully we'll we'll have a great discussion and thank you all for uh, tuning in as well thank you sebastian i'm i'm looking forward as well so let's just begin uh with talking about your overall uh, professional journey if you can tell uh, how you started with robotics and uh, to what stage you are in what are the ups and downs that happened and how how does your journey look like sure so i'll i'll take the kind of the, the high level overview first right um i actually came to the us for my undergraduate studies so um i was fortunate enough to get into cornell university where i spent 5 years there doing both my bachelor's and my master's degrees in mechanical engineering and you know mechanical engineering i think is a super broad field um i ended up really falling into the areas of uh, system dynamics uh feedback control and that kind of bled into robotics a little bit so by the time i was doing you know kind of later on in my in my university career i was doing uh, my master's research in a robotics lab with my uh advisor and 
you know, that kind of started the passion for robotics. Um, like you were talking about with, with MathWorks, I, I actually ended up going there to, to work with uh, MATLAB and Simulink after university, where I was, even though I worked on robotics, I became focused again on the kind of the controls, modeling, and simulation side of things. So I spent a lot of years um, at MathWorks amongst, uh, or between two roles, really focused on that, right? So physical simulation of systems, controls, um, algorithms with MATLAB and Simulink. And it wasn't until kind of later on that I came back into the robotics field um, by, uh, you know, transitioning to a job in, in the uh, autonomous aerial vehicles industry, coming mm -hmm. back to MathWorks where I worked on uh, robotics competitions and education. And that then led into my more recent, uh, recent appointments, uh, like you said, at MIT and Boston Dynamics where uh, that's really where I started being a robotics software engineer in, in the true mm -hmm. sense. I think the other roles were more kind of on the supporting and education role, and it's been, it's been a nice mix. So, you know, that that's yeah. that's kind of the, the broad brush of everything. Yeah, that's a that's a, a really unique journey as well, right? Because uh, normally, for example, a robotics software engineer would would start with robotics, for example, uh, and uh, you have uh, you you started with something. Uh, of course, in engineering, but in a different area in aerospace and all. And then you moved on to robotics education and you got a really cool opportunity there. And after that, you uh, are now a full-fledged robotics software engineer. So at what point did you uh, decide that, okay, uh, robotics is something that I'm really passionate about? And uh, of course, you got an opportunity, but before that, you would have the skills and the uh, passion towards robotics as well. So at what point did you decide that, okay, yeah, robotics is the thing for me and I should pursue it in, uh, in a multidisciplinary way or uh, handle it from different approaches? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of people when they answer this question, they'll say things like, uh, when I was in middle school, I did robotics club and it was, you know, the thing that's, <laughs> I actually didn't even think that robotics was going to be a, a viable career opportunity, um, based on where I came from. Right. Uh, you know, during high school, I was always, uh, you know, I have always been into, into math, physics and all that, uh, as, as many of us probably listening to this podcast have been. Um, but my view of engineering was very different, right? It was, I'm going to be, you know, doing equations on paper, you know, doing graphs and, you know, building bridges or designing cars, you know, like that, that's kind of the stereotypical engineering uh, role. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough that just during school, there was the opportunity to take classes that talked about robotics. I remember we had an introduction to robotics class, I think in my third year of undergrad, where I said, you know, is this, is this a thing? Like, do people do robotics? I'm just going to take the class and see what happens. And it became addictive because the thing about robotics is that there's so much that goes behind it. You know, when you first hear of a robot, maybe you hear about like a little Arduino with two wheels driving around, or you hear about a robot arm, and you're like, oh, I guess robotics is, you know, the math behind like spinning a wheel or turning a joint. And you're like, okay, that's cool, you know, <laughs> that, that seems like a challenging problem. Yeah. And then you kind of keep digging, and it, and it's, oh, it's not just that, but actually, you know, the building of the robotic system you know, doing like full engineering design. You're like, oh, that's that's cool. So robotics is both math and building. And then you, you're like, wait a minute, don't robots have cameras right now? Like, how do you do all of that? And it just it just keeps going. Like, there's so much yeah. behind a capable robot and the kind of the the systems aspect of of these you know, highly capable robots that have a little bit of everything, like the ability to move um, on the ground or fly or walk or um, manipulate, uh, perceive the system. It's, I don't know, the, it brings together so many 
so many different things that we're trying to understand about the world. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, so the so more you know, the more there is to know, right? And uh, more fascinating stuff to discover and build. So that that's the beauty of robotics. And also, as you mentioned, like uh, it involves a lot of different domains, right? So yeah. Uh, and uh, so where uh, where did you do your schooling? Like where are you from originally? Oh yeah. Um, so I guess I didn't mention that part. Um, I was born in Chile in South America. Oh. And when I was about eight or nine years old, I moved to Jamaica, um, which is where I did my my uh, high schooling, um, and that's also where I learned English, which was kind of a, a fortuitous thing to to pursue <laughs> a, a you know an, a college career in the U.S. So yeah, um, I I then came up here uh, in the U.S. for for university in in 2006. I was at Cornell University in, in upstate New York, um, and you know very different experience from where I'd grown up. Uh, there was just a lot of exposure to, so again, like I didn't like in the example that I gave you, I didn't think that robotics was like a viable thing that people did. I think I had a very different understanding of what engineering meant because mm. where, where I came from engineering was more like foundational things like, you know, infrastructure, construction, uh, you mm. know, like who's going to, who's going to tinker with robots. That's like, that's not a thing. It's sci that's sci-fi. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so really getting that exposure in, in university and like learning that, that was a viable path and it was super interesting that just kind of got me hooked um and you know since then i've been fortunate enough to be in jobs where you you know i really get to to work with um the design of systems the programming of autonomous systems um and i've gotten to you know touch a lot of different pieces of the engineering process in general which you know a lot to learn can be intimidating but but it's fun yeah yeah and uh, you you mentioned uh, twice already that the process of uh uh, you know, building robots or, or learning robotics or uh, being involved in that is addictive. So can you elaborate on that? In, in what sense do you find it uh, addictive? Yeah, uh, I think it, it's it's the fact that, I don't know. I mean, I think the people that study robots, they, they they're, they're typically doing, especially in the research field, to understand in some way how we behave, right? And this happens a lot, mm. uh, particularly now in the in the kind of the AI space, where um, people are like relying more and more not just on like machine learning techniques, but also cognitive science to, to, to kind of draw upon. Well, how would a system learn to be self-sufficient with like minimal intervention or, or or interaction with humans that is as natural as possible? And you're like, okay, well, that does that mean that I can start doing things that I can start interacting with robots in a way that that is more like interacting with humans and that you're starting to give more high level commands to robots. Um, you know, typically, or, or let me back up. At some point when you were programming robots, you were giving, you know, very specific commands, almost like assembly language to the robot. And that was your interface to the autonomous system. Hmm. And as you get more to a natural interaction with robots, like, like higher level APIs, uh, programming languages, frameworks, uh, natural language, the user experience is made better, but there is so much fundamental science that goes inside of there. And that I think is, you know, it, that is the addictive part to me. It's the fact that like to get, to get the robot to appear really simple and easy to interact with and generally like to just make it look like it belongs in the world. It just takes so many people and like so many years of combined research from so many people to, um, to make it work. And, 
and just the amount of knowledge that is there is is again what what it's super interesting but overwhelming at times. Mm. So the process of it basically, you know, uh, having these uh, knowledge or, or information uh, systems from different domains and seeing it in in an actual uh, product, let's say, uh, and uh, seeing the robot uh, perform these things in real time as well. That uh, yeah, how 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 uh, how these concepts actually apply in the real world. So uh, also about your, your journey is, uh, as we talked about, that you have been an educator also. At what point did you realize that, uh, I, let me try out, you know, uh, educating people on, or making some content online for uh, robotics? Because this is also, I mean, there's robotics engineers and not everyone would be a, a wanting to be an educator or something, right? So what actually, you know, uh, drove you in that direction? Yeah, it, I think there's a there's a combination of of things that that happen. I think I've always been kind of educationally minded in the sense that even when I was in in uh, university, I you know I enjoyed you know, taking good notes and like sharing them with people and like helping people mm -hmm. explain concepts. Um, and I've always liked that to some extent more than actually doing the engineering. Like, okay, so so everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, right? Um, whether or not they want to admit it, and I think. I'm better suited to be more of like a supporting role for people that frankly are better engineers than I am. Now, if, if I can help people kind of get to that point, um, you know, like get through things that may be difficult for them to understand, like grasping mm. certain concepts or learning a programming language, I've always found myself a lot more effective in that, in that sense, even since, you know, early on. Um, but again, it wasn't, I think it was through like opportunities at MathWorks that I really got to try out lots of different ways to actually educate people and that really came up in the three positions that I had while I was at MathWorks. Um, the first one was actually an entry-level program where they just got a bunch of students out of their master's program and half of what you had to do was actually technical support where like paying MathWorks or MATLAB and Simulink customers would call you with all sorts of questions oh, and okay. you would have to help them out and you mm. know like that, that's already one way of teaching people. Um, it being a rotation program you also got to do projects with other teams so I ended up doing projects with the training department within MathWorks, and that was my first kind of permanent job out of the entry-level rotation, where I was writing training manuals for like modeling and simulation with Simulink. And through there, I kind of got got in touch with another team, which is the kind of the third team that I then moved on to at MathWorks, which was a dedicated education marketing team. And in that one is kind of where the, the explosion of educational content came in because that was actually my job, you know, to make YouTube videos, to make tutorials, to talk to students. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, that's kind of a, a big part for a lot of people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn now is because of because of that opportunity to, to just put my content out there and, and have people just find it on Google and, and try things out um, and yell at me when things yeah. don't work. So it's been a cool experience. I've gotten to talk to so many people. Um, yeah. Just from that, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And your your tutorials are still being used by a lot of students, right? It, it it's available on uh, MATLAB. Maybe I'll I'll also add a link to the tutorials in the description or something. But uh, that's really so you you uh, so you got these opportunities and then you realized that yeah okay I'm I'm good at this and I like this and I want to do more of this stuff. 
uh and then at, at what point did you uh, then uh, decide that uh, you know i want to begin my career as a robotics software engineer full time i think there's always been a tension with that like cuz cuz actually um in those three jobs even at mathworks i i did take some time in between a couple of those to try um, try my hand up doing software engineering mm-hmm. um so that was like a first try where where i said cuz cuz it's always like I don't know if you've heard the expression that those who cannot do will teach. I don't know if you've heard that. It's no, it's kind I of a I haven't heard that, but it's a it's a little bit um, you know, kind of derogatory to educators, right? It's saying that if you're <laughs> not like a good engineer or designer, then you, at least you can teach, which you know is not true. But yeah, I mean there's but, another yeah. quote, right, that uh, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't know it well enough. So yeah, yeah that's <laughs> kind of the opposite. But but the the reason i bring that up is because there is always that thought in the back of your head like okay i'm teaching people how to do things but should i not have the experience doing those things myself right yeah, yeah. um so so it's always been like hey i should really try out also engineering and you know that that first break i took b- between those two mathworks jobs was one try at it which um i can t- we can talk more about it but it it was actually yeah. one of my uh career uh i wouldn't say failures but lessons learned um <laughs> And then, you know, I tried again in my transition then to MIT and Boston Dynamics, and that has been going really well. Um, but but it is that, is, you know, I think to be an effective educator, you you still need to have some degree of experience. It, it makes you much better um, to have that balance of actually, you know, helping people get sped up with concepts, but also having your own experience, getting things that stood up practically, you know, to actually implement yeah. something, because then you can teach that back to people as well. So. Exactly. So I think uh, the two things feed uh, onto each other. So if you have the actual experience, you you also become better as an educator because it's it's the technical stuff you're you're teaching, right? So that's exactly. the thing. And of course, uh, when you're uh, educating people, you you probably would spend time creating the content, and you would probably understand the stuff more deeply, and then you could you know become a better software engineer let's say uh, uh, from that so uh, that's an interesting that's a really interesting uh, journey sebastian so uh, uh, how do you think uh, you have personally evolved over the past let's say 5 to 10 years or or since you since you started oof it's it's been a lot um i think the let, let's cap it to 5 years right um because that's sort of where like what what I mentioned is that my first couple of jobs really had to do with modeling and simulation. So mm-hmm. even though I did some robotics in in grad school, um, I really I really did find my niche in in things like you know modeling mechatronic systems. So like creating three D rigid body simulations. You know modeling electric actuators, hydraulic mm-hmm. actuators. Mm-hmm. You know modeling controllers for that. And that that was really what I was focused on for a long time. Um, at some point, as I as I kind of started getting that itch to get back into robotics. I realized that what most people were doing nowadays was kind of a different level of programming, right? Like there's this entire field of, um, you know, perception, whether it be, you know, camera-based, LiDAR-based, um, and techniques to process this data, particularly the resurfacing of, of uh, machine learning or deep learning, if you will, in like the 2015-ish timeframe. So when I had when I came back to, to Mathers for the robotics role, all of a sudden, I was not just responsible for the modeling and simulation part, but responsible for that aspect of kind of, if, if you want to call it artificial intelligence, it's kind of a loaded mm. word. But, but I had to teach myself all of this, like, like machine learning perception, 
Um, and I did not know about any of these things. I didn't know much about robot manipulators either. So in, in, the, in that job, I, I was kind of teaching myself a lot about these new areas of robotics that previously I'd kind of left off to the side because it wasn't my specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that involved was you know, just consuming a lot of content, uh, deriving a lot of math uh, on the side to, to make sure I understood things. And so while I was, while I was doing this job, I actually was fortunate enough to sign up for, I don't know if you've heard of the Udacity nano degrees. Okay. So I, um, I, I got to have MathWorks actually like reimburse my tuition for the robotics software engineer nano degree oh, wow. program, where it was, it was a really nice hands-on way of getting exposure to all these things and also particularly to learn how to use ROS better, which of course is a huge thing in, in the robotics space, right? Yeah. Um, so that evolution unit started there. I, I wanted to learn all these techniques. I wanted to learn ROS because at the same time, MathWorks had just started coming out with its ROS toolbox. Um, and I needed to know all these concepts so that I could talk to people about it. Um, and next thing you know, like I was learning, I was becoming like a much more well-rounded uh, robotics person, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose. Um, and that kind of got me to the point where I said, okay, this is really cool. You know, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Um, but I am working for a company that that makes software tools. So at the end of the day, the, the material that I'm doing is um, it's how to use a specific set of tools to solve mm. as many robotics problems as it makes sense. Um, what if you flip that on its side and you say, well, what if instead you have a robotics problem to solve and it doesn't matter what the tool is. You just there are lots of software tools out there. Um, you have something to solve. Like you have to create a vision algorithm that runs real time. What do you choose? I don't know. Do 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 your research. Um, and I think that was the kind of the the last two years, you know, since I kind of moved on to MIT and now Boston Dynamics, mm-hmm. where I've gone more from a tools focused uh, role to a problem focused role. And I think that that has caused a lot of growth in in like how you think about engineering problems. Right? It's not just like coming up with. It's not like how yeah. It's it's not like how do you use this tool to solve my problem, but it's just. Yeah, I will do whatever it takes to solve this, um, and and I think having that approach to to engineering in general is is a good thing to have. Yeah. So so essentially, you're talking about uh, you know uh, how uh, your your focus was, of course, when you were working at MathWorks. Your focus was how how do I make the right set of uh, uh, videos or content to use this particular tool but in in an engineering or even a research problem the focus is on the problem statement and how you can uh, regardless of all uh, which tool you use you have to solve the problem and that's yeah. a uh, that's a more uh, i think also creative way of uh, uh, focus is on the problem solving uh, side of it so the, yeah. this is uh, of course like the evolution has been in in a thinking uh, in the way you think right so yeah. now you focus now on uh, the the engineering problem at hand and how you can uh, solve it in the most efficient way and in the best way possible. So, exactly. yeah. So uh, also, uh, uh, I want to discuss about uh, uh, your uh, way of learning since you you mentioned that you learned all of these things and you refer to these Udacity courses and a lot of other content. And so you probably know the best way to learn from scratch because also we know that everything is available on the internet right these days so you just need the right way let's say to learn but we will cover that in the next uh, uh, section
Hey guys, I really hope that you enjoyed this particular conversation and it helped you in some way, shape or form. If it did, make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification icon or the bell icon so that you can get notified on time whenever the next part is out. Also, it would be really great if you could give me your feedback in the comments below. That would really help me improve. I'm uploading small clips of the long podcasts on a regular basis on platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to follow me on these platforms if you're someone who cannot take out time for the long episodes. The podcasts are also available on all major podcast platforms including Spotify and Google Podcasts.